You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome superbly, super, super civilized, not superfluous, nor superficial, superhuman, and superhero, superfans, post-Super Bowl. <laughs> this is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 48, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your seminar of semi-aquatic and semi-sweet semi-pros who semi-talk about semicolons and seminiferous tubules. Whoa. <laughs> we do talk a lot about that. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Well, as our constant listeners know, I was out sick last week for the sleeping episode. However, this did not mean that I didn't do my research for the sleeping episode. And <laughs> it's the only far reason you it, back. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not want to let this go to waste because when I thought about sleeping, I was like, okay, I want to answer a very important question. Do dogs dream? We always see it was it was recently like I was sitting at my computer, probably thinking about Good Job Brain, and I heard like yelps from the other room. You know, I heard I heard a little dog Ricky going like, and, which are noises that he doesn't make. You know, and I'm just like, oh my god, he's oh he's just dreaming. He's like on his side, his paws are kicking. Yeah, right, right. that's so funny. And that's what we say. We say, oh, you know, just imagine he's chasing something. Like, yeah, we oh yeah, he's chasing rabbits or like whatever. Dream right? hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then again, it's like, well. Is that really happening or not? There actually is an answer, so let's go in. You know, typically when I research good job brain subjects, I'm like doing it with the utter dispassionate uh, attitude of a scientist. Like, okay, all right, I'm going to research something and I want to see if it's true or false or whatever. Yeah, I'll see this, where the facts take This one I was really pulling for to be true. <laughs> yeah. I really, really wanted dogs to dream. So let's find out. Um, so this all starts as all great experiments do with rats running in a maze. I don't, I, apparently like, it doesn't even matter what it is you're trying to figure out scientifically. You always have to get some rats and make them run around in mazes yeah. to whatever end. What's um, the rat and maze industry really is, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're in the pocket of big rat. Yeah. <laughs> so a researcher at MIT a few years ago measured the brain signals of rats as they were running around on a track. And then it measured the brain signals of rats with little, you know, tiny little electrodes as they they slept that night and found that the signals that were coming out of the rat's brains during REM sleep, during the rapid eye movement portion of mm -hmm. sleep where you mm -hmm. dream, were basically identical to the signals that he was getting when they were running around in the huh. track. They were so similar that he could essentially point the data and say, I'm pretty sure that at this point the rat is dreaming about being in this particular part hmm. of oh, wow. the track and whether or not the rat is moving or standing still. So at that point, the scientists who were looking at this were like, these rats are dreaming about running around in the maze. They're rehashing the day's activity because it's so close. It's so similar. Mm -hmm. So dogs' brains being much awesomer than rat brains. <laughs> That's a scientific term. You know, right? if the rats can do it, clearly the, we, we imagine that the dogs might. Okay. So if you want more proof than that, fine. There's a part of your brain stem, which is, oh, by the way, I'm going to go back into the brain, which is always really tricky for us on the show because I always screw something up. Um, as it turns out, the brain, kind of complicated. Um, so I apologize to any neuroscientists listening in and please leave comments on the website if I'm wrong. There's a part of the brain stem called the pons. Um, and the pons releases a chemical that not only does it put you into REM sleep, but it, it paralyzes you while you're sleeping. I know you guys talk mm -hmm, about sleep mm -hmm, paralysis, mm -hmm. right? You, you actually want to be paralyzed when you are sleeping. 
sleeping because if you're not paralyzed while you're walking sleeping, around doing weird stuff, you will sleepwalking disorder. Exactly. Sure, well, sure. so the comedian that we like, Mike Birbiglia, right, has rapid eye movement yep. behavior disorder. Right. He doesn't get paralyzed when he goes to sleep, so he gets up and acts out his dreams, which might involve jumping out a window and almost killing himself. So if you want to know what your dog is dreaming about, you can just take the pawns out of your dog's brain. What? Now, they don't do this anymore. <laughs> okay. because, but they did. But they, they did. did. They oh. took the pawns out of some brains of some dogs. <gasps> Guess what happened? They did stuff. They did stuff. The dog would go to sleep and then go into REM sleep and then just get up and, and start, start acting around. out all the mm. stuff they did wow. during the day. Just like taking out the inhibitor. If you had a hunting dog, the hunting dog would flush out imaginary birds out of oh. imaginary bushes. Um, so and and weird. they and they would go on point. You know how dogs would yeah, go on yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, would, they would do that in their sleep. 100%. <laughs> no question. Dogs are dreaming about activities that, that they stuff. are doing. Oh, yeah, but don't take out parts of your dog's brain. Don't do no, that. No, don't no. do that. Yeah, I'm sure Ricky was happy to hear that was not on your agenda. I let him know that I was not about to do oh, that. Oh, yeah, dear dog, I will not <laughs> take parts of your brain out just to Love see what you were dreaming the, about. Yeah. All right, thanks, Chris. And without further ado, let's jump into our general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. Damn. All right, and I have a random Trivial Pursuit card here, and you guys have your buzzers. Ready? Let's go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What Italian city claims to be the birthplace of pizza? Chris Kohler. Napoli. Yes. Is is that true? Uh, Naples. Naples. Oh, Mr. Italian. (laughs) Yeah. That's two points. I got an extra point. Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. What alias did Stephen King pen novels under because he was writing so many books his publisher worried about overexposure? Buzz too early. <laughs> Dana. Uh, Richard Bachman? Correct. Yeah, Richard, Richard Bachman. Bachman. I, really, I, I was really reading. trying to time it at the end and the question just kept going. All right. Yellow Wedge. What soft drink does George W. Bush usually gulp when toasting guests at the White House? Mm. Colin. Just because he's from Texas, I'm going to guess Dr. Pepper. Incorrect. That mm. would be my guess, too. Ginger ale. Incorrect. Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, the answer is 7-Up. Huh. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Purple Wedge. What book besides the Bible are you likely to find in your Marriott hotel room? Besides Chris? the Bible. Is the is it the 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 Book of Mormon? Correct. Oh, it, it is, is oh, the right, Book okay. of Mormon. Oh, Founder John William oh. Marriott was a devout member of the church. Of course, oh. and Mitt Romney just rejoined the the board of Marriott hotels. Oh. Yeah, huh. did not know that. Yep. Green wedge for science. These words are used to describe shapes of what natural item? And there's a list. I'm going to read: elliptic, lance, palmate, spear, or trifoliate. Are those clouds? Incorrect. Hmm. Those are leaves. Correct. Ah. Those are leaves. I think the palm one was the trifoliate. 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 Leaves of three. Yeah, yeah. Orange wedge. Last question. What car maker made the Aspire, Probe, and Tempo? Colin. I'm pretty sure that was Ford. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Probe. The probe. Ford Ford probe. probe. (laughs) Yes. 
So we are currently recording this episode right now, uh, hours before the Super Bowl, the grand American football event of the year. Yes. So by the time you're actually listening to this, it should be the day after and the game will be over. Hopefully. Yeah. With the power of prophecy, uh, or rather sound editing, congrats to the winning team. The Baltimore Ravens. Go team, go! Oh, that's great. You guys did awesome. I would absolutely say no question that the Baltimore Ravens are my favorite, favorite football team. (laughs) It was really impressive the way they footballed much better than the San Francisco 49ers footballed. (laughs) And to all fans of the San Francisco 49ers, don't worry, you'll get them next year. (laughs) So today we are talking about sports. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> I think the goal of this episode should be sports for non-sports fans. Yes. I think it should be like, even if you don't care at all about who is playing in the Super Bowl, or maybe you've never even heard of the Super Bowl, there will be something in this show for you, hopefully. Cool. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> Very divisive yeah, among trivia that. nerds. There are like kind of two camps. There are the people who like sports trivia and people who don't think that sports trivia belongs in proper trivia. So I probably in the second camp, but maybe I think it's overrepresented in proper trivia. Right, I think right. sports is overrepresented. I think the problem is that a lot of people just aren't sports fans. It's, it's kind of binary, isn't it? I mean, you're either like a sports fan and know a whole lot about sports, or you really just don't know very much at all. Yeah. At the same time, though, sports is great for trivia because there are these indisputable yep. numbers and yes. records, mm-hmm. and they scored Definitely. this many right. points, period. And not know? only that, but it just it just generates trivia on a constant basis. Right, exactly. It's just so hard to care about it. <laughs> I think that's really the rub, yeah. Is, but like sports, if you don't care about football at all, you're it's not going to care about who but, scored yeah. yeah, the first touchdown in Super Bowl XI. Yeah. That's, that's right. Colin is our sports guy at Trivia, and as we often say, Karen and I, the only time ever scored a perfect zero on a round of Trivia was Karen and I trying to do sports by ourselves. It was sports general. It was yeah. general it, sports. Yeah. So since it's the Super Bowl... I want to talk about football. Yay! And by football, I actually really mean soccer. (laughs) There have been so many times in my life where, you know, I would say, oh, soccer. And they're like, oh, you mean football. And I was like, well, no. Depends on where you live. American football. (laughs) So why is this? Why do we call soccer soccer? And why does almost the rest of the world call it football? Here's the skinny. Soccer is actually a British term, (gasps) which is weird because they call soccer football. They're real jerks about it, I know. Some of them are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Throughout history, there's been a lot of uh, various games in sports simply called football. Sure. They're not the same, but Mm -hmm. it's very straightforward. You have a ball and you kick it or you do something with your legs. Yeah, you don't need to like convene a a linguistics committee to come up with a name. Football. (laughs) Yeah, right. A lot of these games are similar, but they all have different rules, maybe different equipment, maybe different number of people playing it. In the mid-1800s, a group of athletes and officials set out to actually standardize the rules of this sport so they can play their matches under consistent regulations. So it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, wait, we play it this way and we play it that way. And this this is, I mean, this is a common story in the history of a lot of sports is there were 18 different ways to play until we first agreed and standardized. Mm -hmm. And so they named this type of football sport 
association football. That's right. So this way it won't be confused with other types of football, like rugby football mm-hmm. and, and other games at mm. that time. Association football doesn't really roll off the tongue so easily. And so it was very popular in the British culture to shorten certain words <gasps> and to I see and I see where you're going with this. ER, the sound er at the end of the word. So like like potato becomes tater, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of little nicknames and rugby becomes rugger mm-hmm. and association football becomes a soccer. Right. Oh uh, my which God. eventually soccer. Without the A. The SOC. You can see it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yep. And at that time, soccer was kind of a soccer soccer was kind of a sport for like the upper echelon of, of society. And as the popularity of association football spread to the lower classes, they just called football football. And that became the more popular name. Mm-hmm. So okay. soccer was kind of a more of a highbrow name. But it spread so quickly, people just called it football. So that's why yeah. it went from soccer back to football. I love that. And like, but and we it, kept soccer. And as you mm. say, like they really I, rugby and American football and soccer and all these games really all sort of had the same proto game. You'll hear a lot in the media what we call soccer and the rest of the world calls football. Mm. And like I, that always kind of rubs me the wrong way because it, it's an oversimplification because it's not true. There's American style football. There's Canadian rules football. Yep, Australian. Australian rules football. football. Mm-hmm. There is association or soccer football. There's rugby. There's eleven rugby. I mean, there, there's all these different variations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I'm standing up for us as Americans. You know, it's yeah. yes, we call it football because it's American rules football. Sounds silly to say. Okay, I have another soccer tidbit for you guys. What person in a soccer match moves the most in a single game? Ah, you mean like covers the most distance? Chris. The goalie. <laughs> it sounds like a trick question and it's yeah. going to be yeah. a goalie, yeah. right? Like maybe um, he's just like constantly running back and forth. I don't know. I'm going to guess, I don't know, the the striker. So these are people who are on the team or is this a trick? Is it like the referee? Oh. It is a trick. Because oh. okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anybody was, on the soccer uh, team. <laughs> it is the referee. Oh, okay. So according to data uh. from the U.S. Soccer Federation, refs tend to run 12 miles during a game, hmm. which is five more than the players. Huh. It's amazing because referees can be almost twice the age of the actual players and can keep up. And I was reading an article on CNN about a guy training or wanting to be a FIFA, a World Cup referee. And it is insane insane because they have to go through a set of like really really crazy tests to test your speed to test your stamina Mm. and crazy training schedule they have to eat like athletes basically they're on a schedule to be like athletes right right but the crazy thing is they have day jobs yeah these are regular people these are people who work at visa who work at different companies american football is the same american Mm -hmm. football refs oh really they work during the week but yeah nfl refs many of them are lawyers and they have weekly jobs yeah and to add on their day job they have this ridiculous super athlete training schedule so that they can ace these uh, FIFA tests when it's time to apply to be a ref. And one more quick soccer fact. Do you guys know what the name of the classic black and white soccer shape? Round. 
<laughs> is it a uh it's it, is it some sort of crazy I'll give you a million dollars you mean the name of the pattern of the what are they like hexagons the name of the, shape. the name of the shape it's a the 3d shape oh. yeah it's a it's a duodesa hexad something on you know what i mean <laughs> sure. yeah it's one of those i don't know i know it's made up is of it, two different shapes is it natiform it is I called a truncated Icosahedron. Yeah, okay. Icosahedron. Yes, and it's made out of 20 hexagons and 12 pentagons. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, I knew it had two different shapes in there. Yeah. So there is C60, which is a molecule, and it's 60 carbon, and it's like a little cage. It's like a little ball. It looks exactly like Like a soccer soccer ball. ball. Mm -hmm. Called... The Buckminster Foolery. Oh, Buckyballs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The Buckyball name was inspired by the Buckminster Foolery. Oh, I don't think they actually use that soccer construction in the World Cup anymore. No. I think they switched to a two or three panel construction. It's they have different... some high-tech alien looking balls. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. That huh. classic that that we kind of grew up with of they the don't black use that and anymore? white. They don't use that at the high levels of competition yeah. anymore. I don't even know how you would even call that soccer now. <laughs> All right, well, I have a question for you guys here about some famous professional athletes. Okay. And uh, I tried to pick some that I'm pretty sure that even as non-sports fans, I hope you guys have heard of these people. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Colin. Can you guys tell me, what do the following people have in common? Oh. Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maria Sharapova. Okay. Alex Rodriguez. Uh Shaquille O'Neal. Aside from being enormously successful in their (laughs) respective sports. Tiger Woods, Mm -hmm. Shaquille O'Neal, Maria Sharapova, Alex Rodriguez. They all are spokespeople for products. Oh, that's true. They are. And they, that's actually, that's not the answer I was looking for, but I'm glad you said that. Their Uh, love lives all appear in tablets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, they all um, breathe oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. Oh, good one. No, in addition to all being humans Mm -hmm. and uh, receiving endorsements, they are all uh, residents of the state of Florida. And one of the reasons that they all choose to live in Florida, aside from the nice weather, is that Florida has no state income tax. Oh. Okay. Uh, and yeah. so it seems fairly obvious. Okay, yeah, I make a lot of money. You want to live in a state where you have to give up as little of it as possible. Absolutely. And this isn't oh. this isn't limited to athletes. Of course, many business people mm. will choose to live in a state that has a lower tax rate and commute in, for example. This is particularly attractive when you make millions and millions and millions of dollars on endorsements in addition to your regular day job. There are nine states with no state income tax, but Florida overwhelmingly draws most of the athletes there uh, to live there. Well, it's um, nicer to live in than like it, New, it, New Hampshire, for example. Right. Or- well, so I mean, it has to be a state that has no state income tax and a pro sports team. So that limits it really to Florida, Texas, Tennessee, state of Washington, and then D.C. There's a weird quirk too, like athletes in New York. New York City has a separate New York City tax. So there's New York State and New York City tax. So a lot of New York City athletes will live in New Jersey. Now here's where it gets interesting. Now, have any of you guys heard of the jock tax? Do you know what this is? Do they, do athletes have to pay stadiums or something? No. So in the early 1990s was really the birth of what we call the jock tax now. So in 1991, Michael Jordan and the Bulls beat the LA Lakers uh, for the NBA championship. Mm -hmm. And after they won the championship, it was really publicized how much extra bonuses Jordan got for winning the championship. And this is common. A lot of athletes have incentives. Mm -hmm. And the state of California basically said, wait a minute, look at all the money that he is earning Mm -hmm. and he's doing work in our state. So in 1991, state of California essentially enacted a law that uh, would allow them to recoup taxes from 
people doing work in that state. And they sent the Bulls a bill, essentially, for the taxes that they owed for the three days they were playing in California during the finals. In in pretty (laughs) short order, a lot of other states caught on. You know, as happens a lot. If California does something, other states are like, well, shoot, we Mm -hmm. can do this too. This was the birth of the jock tax, which essentially is states billing pro athletes for all of the work they do in that state. Now, imagine you're LeBron James, okay? You play for the Miami Heat. You go on the road. Mm -hmm. You might play in 20 different states over the course of a year. And what that means is, unfortunately, you need to file taxes in all of those states. And all of those states are going after money. And here's where it gets really complicated because every state has their own tax laws. You basically have to figure it out state by state what you do. You know, some states, (laughs) you can choose between the higher rate and the lower rate. Some states, you have to pay it. Some states, there's no tax. So if you're in a accountant for a uh, professional athlete, mm-hmm. you're really earning your money. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, this creates these jobs of accountant to the professional athletes because like they need someone who's familiar with all of these different states and all of the different loopholes and everything each sport's a little bit different baseball has a concept of duty days so if i fly into town on monday play a game on tuesday and wednesday and then fly back out on friday some states they'll want to charge you for each of those days Mm -hmm. some states charge you by game that is the jock tax so if you think your taxes are complicated imagine having to file in 25 different states every year and having a different amount in each one. And as you might imagine, the state of California makes millions and millions of dollars by claiming these taxes. Sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) So I have a quiz about sports. Being a non-sports person, I couldn't tell what was an easy question or a hard question. (laughs) So I decided to take it in a a different way. This quiz is called, What You Talking About Sports? So I will give you um, alternate names, possibly obscure names of sports that are very familiar, uh, and I want you to tell me the kind common of, name. The common name hmm. of those. What you talking about sports? What you talking about sports? <laughs> Instead of buzzing in, I'll have you guys write down your answers, and we'll see what you think. All right. Got it. Number one, corf ball, slam ball, netball are all variations of what sport? Uh, I know netball from Flight of the Concords. Yeah. All right. Everybody says basketball, yes. Yay! They are all variations of basketball. Netball. Netball is the one, right? It's like basketball with no backboard, right? Yeah. It's just like a rim on a pole. Actually, oh. and more women play that one. Than yeah, yeah, yeah. Fist ball, <laughs> hoover ball, bossa ball are all similar to what sport? Bossa ball. Fist ball. Bossa nova. All right. Cullen says tetherball. Karen says baseball. Chris says volleyball. It's volleyball. Wow. <laughs> I just thought of hitting a ball with a, your fist. Oh. You know? Poppin' Jay, Gung Do, and Target and Field. What? Poppin' Jay, Gung Do, and what? Target? Target and Field. We got Colin and Karen oh. say archery. Chris says skeet shooting. It's archery. It's archery. Yeah. That's the that's the more obvious answer than skeet shooting. <laughs> I'm uh, like, well, there's a target out in yeah, the field. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's exactly. <laughs> what would an eight year old think? Okay. No, that was yeah. That was my thought sure. process too, but it just led to the wrong place. Duck pin, candle pin, and tin pin. Oh. 
Bowling, bowling, bowling. It's bowling. Yes. Yeah, bowling. We used to go candle pin bowling in in New England. I think you still. That's can. a real easy. I think it's an East Coast thing. Like What's duck, a duck pin. You basically the pins are really thin and they're just basically like cylinders. Uh-huh. Um, and then the ball, you small when you hold it in your hand. It's like the size of like imagine like a big softball. So are the lanes smaller? Not sure. I haven't yeah, done it's a lot. like it's scaled down. I was it's... I was smaller. I was like eight years old, so <laughs> lanes appeared larger. All right. Flutter guts, frisky. Durango boot and Goldtimate. Goldtimate? Goldtimate? Let me see the old. Goldtimate? Yeah. Oh! Karen seems awfully confident. Yeah. Let's see. Colin says horseshoes. Karen says frisbee. Chris says soccer. It's frisbee. Yeah! Yes. Oh! Well, I, thought, I mean, I thought that was a trick question because I'm like, well, it sounds like ultimate. I know ultimate. It is, but it is with gold. Gold. I've yeah, never heard gold. of goldtimate. Okay, what do these have in common? Pyramid, Blurns Ball, Ambo Jitsu and Gi Ball. Oh. <laughs> Karen knows this. She's like, oh, I totally know this. I'm like, I have no idea. This is a little bit of a different question. What do oh. they have in common? Pyramid, Blurns Ball, Ambo Jitsu, and Gi Ball. They all share something in common. Okay. Colin says, Imagine Fake. Karen says, Futurama. Chris says beer. <laughs> um, so they're all from TV shows. Oh, okay. oh. Pyramid. Pyramid's from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Oh, Pyramid. Blurns yes. Ball is yes. from Futurama. Ambojitsu. Yeah. Is from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. Is that the chest? That's the that one... was the one where they freeze the person and then do their move and then unfreeze Wait. them, right? No, it's the one where they're fighting with blindfold. Oh, next level. right, right. And then Gee Ball is from Green Wing. I don't know if you guys I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Of course, uh, Pyramid. All right. All right. This is a real sport. We're back to real sports. Camp drafting, English pleasure, tent pegging, and eventing. Whoa. <laughs> uh, what they have all in common is Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Camp drafting, English pleasure, tent pegging, and eventing. Uh, Colin says jousting. Karen says croquet. Chris says croquet. No, they're all equestrian events. Oh. oh. Close. Mm-hmm. Old timey. All right. Alpine, cross country, oh. Nordic, and speed. So skiing, skiing, skiing. Yes, skiing. Yay. Oh, good. Just throw us a bone there. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't tell how hard any of these are. <laughs> all right. Full bore target, cowboy action, metallic silhouette, and interest. <laughs> Full bore target, cowboy action, metallic silhouette, and interest. Colin says target shooting. Karen says rodeo. Chris says shooting. Yes, it's shooting. All right. Oh. Good job, you guys. Cowboy action. I cowboy like, action. I like so many of those names. Yeah. Flutter guts. Full bore. Flutter guts. <laughs> cowboy <laughs> action. <laughs> what was flutter guts? That was frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> you get hit by a frisbee and it, your it guts is. are fluttering. It's like dodgeball with frisbees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Cowboy action and English pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Tint begging. <laughs> oh, you kids. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. A word from our sponsor. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. 
Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you are listening to Good Job Brain. Today, we are talking about sports. Here is a fun wordplay quiz for all of you who like word games and words and all that kind of stuff. So I am going to say some relatively funny anagrams, and you will just tell me what sport that is an anagram of. I have given you guys some uh, pens and paper to help your, your brains, and if you're stuck, I'll give you some clues. So we'll start with an easy one. Sent in. What you got, Karen? Uh, tennis. Yes, yeah. it's sent in is tennis. Okay, great. Okay, how about hear, cry? H-E-A-R-C-R-Y. Dana? Archery. It is oh. archery, yes. Yeah. Oh, you a mean lot of these... target in field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, try this one on for size. Blot loaf. Football. Yes, football. So quick. Karen is still thinking of blot loafs. I just think of like, I'm a visual thinker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you say something, I picture it, and I just think of a loaf of blot, but I don't even know what blot is. That is why this is difficult. Okay, um, on that same note, tall kebabs. Oh. <laughs> Colin, basketball, basketball. All right, that's good. Actually, that actually has fits. some meaning. Not I bad, like right? Yeah, I yeah. like that. Tall kebabs. Tall kebabs. <laughs> okay, how about blase lab? Oh, Colin again. Baseball, baseball. Okay, all right. Let's let's get a little harder, shall we? <laughs> let's go with alto power. What a chorus leader might say. Water polo. Water polo. Absolutely. Whoa. Drops the buzzer. (laughs) Yes. Alto power. Water polo. How about this? Sing my scat. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, S-I-N-G-M-Y-S-C-A-T. Colin? Gymnastics. Colin is proving to be the hero of the anagram round right now. Yes, gymnastics. Okay, then, how about this? Here's another one that's popular in the Olympics. Twig nightlife. Karen now picturing sticks at a disco. (laughs) Twig nightlife. Colin. Weightlifting. Weightlifting! Oh, my God. It's like Rain Man. (laughs) I don't... I can't think of any sport. Dana normally kills at these I, anagrams. But like, but... <laughs> Finally, I didn't think this was going to go so quickly. Finally, this is maybe more of an outdoor game. You can call it a sport, too. Buffalo herds. Buffalo herds. Everyone furiously writing on their pads of paper. Listener, can F. you do it before the good job brain cast? The, the two Fs are together in, in, the, in the final answer as well. 
Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Yes. Yes. Forgets to buzz in because she gets it in so so quickly. Shuffleboard. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Great job. Oh, that man. That is your sports anagram quiz. That was good. I hope you enjoyed that it. That was good. I especially like the ones where there's, yeah, like uh, uh, twi- tall kebabs. Tall kebabs. Right, tall kebabs. And buffalo herds yeah. even. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Flatloaf. Imagine like a a Dalmatian looking meatloaf. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, the very first one there sent in was uh, tennis. So I want to talk a little bit about tennis. And this was something when I first started researching this, I was like, oh, this is going to be really contentious. And then I researched a little bit more. I'm like, oh, no, this is pretty straightforward. And then I researched it some more. And I'm like, no, this is even more contentious than I thought. Mm. And what I'm talking about is tennis terminology. There's so many words in tennis and the tennis scoring. A lot of this, I should warn you, is hotly, hotly contested and debated. So we're going to go just a quick run through. A preemptive um, actually. Yes, yes, I did not know that it was. Yeah. A lot of this, yeah. I will try and set straight as much as I can. But a lot of this will be my opinion based on the evidence at hand. (laughs) Wow. So do you guys know where? tennis comes from in terms of the sport you may have heard of a earlier game called jeu de pomme have you heard of this <laughs> french it is french okay, yes the, right. the the french are sort of the the unquestioned Wait, bur- jeu de pomme jeu de pomme game of apple game uh not p-o not okay. p-o-m-m-e but uh p-a-u-m-e palm meaning like the palm the palm of your hand it was oh, called okay. the, the palm game um, apple game. Originally, you, you didn't use rackets. You would serve it the ball with the palm of your hand, and you mm. would play back and forth. And this was a medieval French game. This was really sort of what evolved into a lot of our racket across the net games. So coming through medieval times, jeu de palm was very popular with royalty in particular, because you needed a big area to play. They would, yeah. string, they would string a net up, and this was an indoor game primarily. So you'd set up a net up across a hall, and you would bat the ball back and forth. It wasn't until the uh, late 1600s that rackets actually really became standardized and part of play. So this game was around for a long time just using your hands. Once rackets were involved, the game developed into what we would call uh, real tennis or lawn tennis. So mm-hmm. it kind of moved outdoors and sort of started more closely resembling the game that we have today. Were rackets um, like the performance-enhancing drugs? Is that, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you, just, you, you, you sort of show further. up. It's not technically in the rules that you can't <laughs> use this. But. The word tennis comes from the Anglo-French word tene or tenets, which really means like to hold or to take. Oh. You know, so like the mm. word uh, tenable. Like you know. tentative. Yes, mm. right, exactly. And specifically where it comes from is when you were serving the ball, you would shout out tene, which, you know, more or less means heads up. Like, be prepared to take the serve. Be prepared, huh. you know, it's coming at huh. you. So you would shout out tene or tenets. That really etymologically came into tennis. Hmm. So as I say, so the game moved outdoors, kind of gradually changed a little bit, uh, simplified. By the late 1870s, it was really pretty close to the game that we know today. The guy who first published the rules was a man named Major Walter Wingfield, and he suggested the name Sphéristique from the Greek meaning skill at playing at ball. Aww. Now, yeah. Sphéristique <laughs> yeah, didn't catch on. Really, tennis kind of stuck, and we still obviously call it tennis today. Um, Aww, I bet he was so proud of that name, too. That's so fancy. That's about all that we can agree on in terms of tennis. Everything from That's here it. on out is going to be to some level or another disputed. Huh. All right. So now, tennis, when you score in tennis, the score goes zero or love mm-hmm. uh, 15 30 40 mm-hmm. and then you win the game yep. right and a lot of people are like where did this crazy scoring system come from why isn't it just one two three done um, <laughs> and so there is a very common story that goes that well in the early days of jeu de palm and tennis you would use a clock 
to keep track of the score. And you would advance the hand to 15, 15. for one, uh, to 30 for another, 45. to 45, and then to 60 for a complete game. Okay. Okay, well, why is it 40 instead of 45? It's like, oh, well, at one point, you know, they realized you had to win the game by two. So instead of advancing it to 45, you advance it to 40, mm-hmm. and then there would be another stop at 50 before you would get back to the top of the clock. Uh-huh. This is most likely a nonsense explanation. Mm-hmm. It's just backwards explanation. Really, the, the most likely origin of it being 60 is that you got to keep in mind in medieval period, 60 was really considered a very kind of good, perfect number. It was oh. just round, you know, again, divisible by a lot, divisible of, numbers. By a lot of numbers. And the French in particular really. Uh, embraced this notion. So the same way that we might pick 100 today is a nice round number, it was perfectly normal just for them to pick 60, is that's what you play to, 60. Based on the research I've done, the most likely explanation really is that the score never changed from 45 to 40. It was always 15, 30, 45, done. But that in French, it was a lot more euphonious to say 15, 30, 40. That you kind yeah. of just stopped saying the 45. You stopped saying it. Is that it was just simplified. Instead of saying 45, you would say 40. Instead of saying 45, you would just say 45. And everybody knew what you meant. And everyone knew what you meant. That's right. right because you were all agreed on the same rules ahead of time. Mm. Yeah, French numbers are long. They are, yeah. So they involve math. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Zero in tennis is love. Where does love come I from? Know. I know. All right. Know. Now, there are a lot of people who I mean, say, I know me. it is this. So let's go I, ahead, Karen. What, where does love come from in, in the tennis? Well, because love is zero. Zero looks like an egg. Mm-hmm. And so love is actually luf, which is the egg, the egg in, in French. French. Mm-hmm. And then becomes love. That is mm-hmm. absolutely one of the explanations. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. that is absolutely- Again, this is probably a back-solved sort of thing. Where they're like, Dana, well, let's see. That was what I had heard before. Yeah, that so, was what I had heard also. I had always heard that one growing up as well, right? And I have to say that as a kid, it seemed a little... I was like, what, really? The egg, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, we say goose egg. So we do. That's right. So that is one explanation, that love comes from luf, French. The other explanation... Mm-hmm is that it comes from the idea of you're playing for love, playing for honor, <laughs> instead of playing for money. And if you if you had zero points, then that's really all you had left. <laughs> right. And the love-honor one always sounded really straining to me. This is the one that the Oxford English Dictionary cites. They cite most of their support that it comes from love and honor money. Huh. There's another explanation that goes out that there is a Dutch word, luff, L-O-F, that means praise or honor or glory. And again, there's a theory that, well, there were a lot of Dutch immigrants in France, and they took the word love, meaning playing for honor. All right. I have to say, despite what OED says, I do believe that it comes from the egg. Yeah. Love. And as, as Karen, you alluded to, there are another examples here. Like, we talk about a goose egg. You know, in English, we say, oh, he put up a big old goose egg. Yep. That's a zero. Mm-hmm. There's a term in cricket. You talk about a duck, uh, a batter who, who's out with no score, hmm. a zero. And the duck comes from duck's egg. And you'll still mm-hmm. hear it called a duck's egg. Mm. So... I have to say, looking at those two explanations side by side, English, knowing that it came yeah. from French. And not a more. If it was a more. There yeah. is a well-established tradition of eggs being used to stand for nothing and stand for zero. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that that is the etymology of love in tennis. Mm-hmm. But just to warn you that you'll see both of those explanations out there. Oh. All right. And finally here, in terms of the tennis etymology, we'll wrap this up. Uh, do you guys know where the word racket comes from? The racket. A little rack. <laughs> the little tiny rack. Yeah. So, well, is it a French word or? Mm. So we have the word racket, and there, are, you know, the, the French and Italian and Spanish words are all very similar. There's raqueta or raquette, or and those words in turn they all come from an Arabic word. Oh. Raha or rahat, 
which means palm of the hand oh. to bring it all full circle. Wow. Cool. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, and time for our last quiz, and it's a music round. I have clips of songs that I'm going to play, and you guys need to identify the artist, and also, you know, hopefully the song title as well. That'd be helpful, because there is a theme. Of course. And the theme, you might think, oh, I I know it. It's pretty easy by the second song. It's not. I'm looking for a very specific theme. Oh, all right. Absolutely not (laughs) sports-related. All right, here we go. First one. You have this look oh. on your face like, I'm going to mess with you guys so <laughs> You guys aren't going to get any of these. Uh, all right. 10,000 words swarm around my head. 10 million more in books written beneath my bed. I wrote or read them all when searching in the swarm Still can't find how to hold my hands I'll take a stab at it. Okay. Is it, is it Willie Nelson? Incorrect. Oh. God, I know that song. Who was that? Is it Jeff Buckley? It's, Incorrect. It's somebody like that, though. It's not Jeff Buckley. It's not Elliot Smith. It's not. It is a band. It is the Avett Brothers. Oh, okay. Here's the next one. Which one is it? I believe this is The Temptations. Incorrect. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sugar Behind a Bunch by The Four Tops. This yes. is The Four yeah. Tops. Can't help myself Sorry. by The Four Tops. Isn't it parentheses, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch? They get it's, partial credit. So you can remember, they can't help themselves. But it's not the Temptations, which is about. <laughs> that's a terrible mnemonic. That's, I know that's why I like, fail. Oh, horrible mnemonic. It's like I it's can't the help myself. Of what you think. So it is, yeah, it's the opposite. Oh, it geez. is not about Temptations. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> what are the three bands we always get mixed up? Temptations, Four Tops, Foundation, the OJ's. OJ's. <laughs> like, oh man. All right, here's mm. the next one. Perfect one, perfect one, perfect one. 
Is this Nine Inch Nails? Yes, yes. Nine Inch Nails, the perfect drug. All right. And here's the next one. College. Is it One Direction? Yeah. Yes, it oh, is One Direction. <laughs> I'm bootstrapping here because I think I'm onto the theme. All right, last song. Dana? No doubt. Yes, no doubt. Song name is 16. Do we know what the theme is? No, I'm spooked because you said it was super specific. I know what the theme. I think I do. So first I was thinking it's numbers because there's numbers and everything. There's 10,000 books, four tops, nine inch nails, one direction, 16. So then I added them up. Because it seemed like a very Karen thing to ask. Is it 10,030? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I thought you really nailed it. No, it is not. Well, it's something with numbers. Yes. It has to be. Something with the numbers. So 10,000 Words by Aver Brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. I Can't Help Myself. Parentheses, Sugar Pie. Honey, <laughs> by The Four Tops. And 16 by No Doubt. What do those numbers have in common? Oh. They're divisible by... Or, well, nine. no. Four. No. One, four, six... Oh, they're squares. Yes. Okay. They're squares. They are oh, squares. Oh, that was good. Numbers. That was good. One was good. Four was good. <laughs> nine was good. Six. Then after 16, I was like, there weren't any popular or yeah. songs that's ah. like 25, 36, 49, 81. <laughs> and so I just kept going up and up and up and Until up. you found a song that matched and the number. And I was finally <laughs> like 10,000. Wow. You could also done a song by 10,000 Maniacs, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Good one. I like those. I, I like I like the ones where you can kind of get onto it and, as I established, think you know it and not know it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, number, that's so easy. That's not Karen. Well, that's what I was thinking. There's some other Karen uh, yeah. twist to it. Yeah. No. All right, great. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. I thank you guys for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about flutter guts. I think that's <laughs> our new favorite word. How to do your taxes if you're a professional athlete. And Hire why soccer is called soccer. Yay. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And don't forget to check out our sponsors at bonobos.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Congratulations to the Baltimore Ravens. Woo! You did it. <laughs> <laughs>
visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.